0: Well, we are in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, calling this the anxiety cure. And uh, chapter 4 started out by Paul calling them, my beloved twice, my longed for brethren, my joy, my crown. And then he starts this chapter off by saying, stand fast in the Lord. And then in verse 4 and 5, we looked at last week, rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice. That's the final time we looked in there how many times he has said to rejoice or have joy or be glad, Uh, an incredible amount. That's why often this book is called the book of joy. And then um, let your gentleness be known to all men. I had somebody this morning saying, Brian, I sought to be magnanimous this week because I said that word gentleness, that's the best word, magnanimity. And uh, that's really the right word from Greek to to English, magnanimity, uh, be known to all men because the Lord is at hand. And we looked at all the verses where Paul and Peter and James and John all stated they believed the Lord was coming back in their lifetime. They thought the Lord, imminent return of Christ was coming in that first generation, Now, they were wrong, and every generation past that felt the same way have been wrong. But the point is, is that that is the will of God, that we would live out our life on earth with the tension, a joyful tension, that the Lord could be returning at any second. The opposite of that. Is people Peter says it's one of the signs of the time when people get uh, cynical saying, You've always said the Lord was coming back. Well, yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah, but it's never gonna happen. Well, that's that's just not true. Just because he hasn't yet doesn't mean he won't. And I do believe we are closer than we've ever been. And so in Philippians 3:20, you might remember Paul says, See your citizenship, not as Rome or Israel, or any other nation, but your citizenship is in heaven, from which we, this is what we should be doing, eagerly waiting for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. There is just this burning, this passion, this desire to see Jesus, and the sooner the better. Amen? And James 5.8, boy, he says it so perfectly here. You also be that's the same word, have endurance. Establish your hearts. I like that. For the coming of the Lord is at hand. And so um, dig in, keep enduring, dig in deep, and uh, you'll probably get raptured before you die. That's the sense of all these New Testament guys and uh, boy, the signs of the times have lined up more than ever, and we and really um, couldn't have much sooner than now with the technology. We've always known that people would go to and fro throughout the earth. That's rather new in the last few decades. We've also known that they would have a mark on the back of their hand or their forehead, which they buy or sell. And we understand the technology. I love the old Left Behind series. They had a big, giant, black magic marker. (laughs) And they put it on their heads. Well, that was about as far as long it was back in the late 60s and 70s. Boy, we've come a long way since then. And um, for you young people, that that wasn't the 1860s and 70s Civil War. That was 19. Anyway. So now today, Paul continues on saying, don't worry, but pray. Now, if you were to Google saying, give me verses on anxiety or on worry, I don't care which Google search you do, the very first verse that will show up are these two verses right here. In Philippians 6 and 7. So the grand poo-bah verse of anxiety is right here today, and we happen to be there. And it says there in verse 6 and 7, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds Through Christ Jesus. First of all, he says, be anxious for nothing. First of all, it's a command. This isn't a suggestion if you want to be a better you. This is God commanding us because our bodies are not made to worry. Our bodies physically, literally cannot carry anxiety very long without serious problems happening in your physical body with the, the, the actual acids in your stomach and having ulcers and stomach problems of all kinds. The mind, the chemistry in the mind will actually alter if you worry and fret and are anxious and you begin to uh, overload the systems trying to create dopamine and, and trying to balance your serotonin It'll actually start bringing havoc to your ability to think correctly and not to be depressed all the time. So literally, I mean, even if you weren't a Christian, I think all religions would have this in common by saying, um, if you really have faith in God, you really believe in a sovereign God, you really believe in a powerful God, then you wouldn't worry because you would believe that the all-powerful, all-knowing God has you in his hand. And, of course, that is absolutely true. And it says, be anxious for nothing. Literally, this means, in the King James, it has a right. It says, be careful for nothing. Literally, the word here in the Greek is to not be troubled by cares. Do not be troubled by the cares of this life. Jesus said that very same thing. It would keep you from being fruitful. Remember in Mark chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. Now, these are the ones sown among the thorns that are the ones who hear the word like you all are doing today. But what's the number one thing that'll choke them out? Is it some evil thing? Is it? Lying, stealing, being greedy? No. The first thing on the list that will keep you from bearing fruit is just the cares of this world. Some new, new translations say that very thing. The anxieties of this world. The worry, the thing that we worry about in this world. Just Worrying. That does God really have it? I mean, could you imagine you have a four-year-old child that is worried whether they're going to have next day's meal? Worried whether they're going to get kicked out of their house? Worried whether dad's going to lose his job? Worried if there's going to be an earthquake and they all die? You know, there's people that do that. And they just sort of stack all the worries up and and they start breaking down physically and mentally. There's a story of, of one lady that, she fully believed somebody was going to break into the house. And, and I mean, just within a few months after they were married, she had this anxiety that somebody's going to break into the house. And 20 years went by and the anxiety only grew. And one night the man heard something downstairs and he went down there. And sure enough, there was a guy breaking into the house. He says, you know, he says to the thief, I, I don't want to interrupt you but my wife has been waiting for you for 30 years. (laughs) Would you please come up and say hi to her? (laughs) Oh. People that are anxious find truth in their anxiety, even if they have to sort of stretch the truth to get there. The next thing is deceitfulness of riches. Jesus talks about that. There's two things. You either trust in God or you worry about money. And if you start worrying about money, that will never end. And then notice the desire for other things. Two of these things are not bad. They're both all moral, aren't they? The cares of us life, I mean, it's just reality. And, and the desire for other things, it just, there's so many things to get involved in, especially in a, a wealthy country like ours, where there are so many sports, I don't know if you saw that the, they started a new American football league. So those who are having uh, withdrawal symptoms through the summer can now have another football team to get obsessed with. And I'll, I'll tell you what, there's a million sports. There's a million things to do. They're creating new toys for adults every day uh, to occupy their time. And it says that these things enter in, they choke the word. And becomes unfruitful. So, for nothing, worry about nothing. This is emphatic. It literally is saying, not anything. No, not one. So, he's not saying, you know, try to scale it back from 100% to 80%, or a year at 80%, scale it back to 20%. He literally is saying, do not worry. I command you. Not to worry about one single thing. I mean, if you're, again, your four-year-old child said, you know, do you got enough money in the bank to pay the electric bill? Or or was the water going to get cut off? I mean, wouldn't you tell that little four-year-old, before, (laughs) don't worry. These aren't your things to worry about. These are my things to worry about. In essence, God is saying, I've got you, man. I've got you in the palm of my hand. And he's taking you by the cheeks and he's putting his nose to your nose. Saying, don't worry about not even one thing. You know what I want to do now? I just want to wash you in the water of the word. Faith comes by hearing in what? Hearing by the word of God. Look at these verses. There's so many of them. I think of Isaiah 41.10. You know this one. Fear not. Why? For I am with you. Be not dismayed. For I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Psalm 37.8. The second part of that. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Psalm 94:19 In the multitude of my anxieties within me your comforts delight my soul. There's so many great translations on that verse. The NIV says when anxiety was great within me <laughs> your consolation your counsel brought me joy. That's I think the probably the best translation of it. This is God giving you counsel today on your anxiety. The New American Standard says, when my anxious thoughts multiply within me. Isn't that always the case? Anxiety, you start worrying about one thing and poof, it balloons. And all of a sudden you find the door opening to, to worry about everything. Worry about everything. Pray about nothing. No, hold on. That's, that's not wrong. <laughs> worry about nothing. Pray about everything. But so often, I think we walk the opposite. Worry about everything and pray about nothing. We need to switch that verse back to where it's supposed to be, right? Very simply, what are we to do? Pray. Go ahead, guys. Pretend you're alive. <laughs> yes, I'm not going to just let you sit there. What are we to do? Pray everything. Worry about nothing. Nothing. That's the word of the Lord. In Proverbs 12:25, anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. We have experienced in these last several years record amount of suicides in the whole world. In our country, it's mainly between 12 and 18 years old that Suicide has just exploded. What does a 12-year-old, what does a 14-year-old have that that they, they think they gotta end their life? It's not worth living another day. The pain of anxiety. Social media, it's a fact, has literally created calm people to be people full of anxiety. I honestly cannot do social media. You see my Facebook posts and Instagram? My son does that. I, I I, have tried. I'll look at that, and within 30 seconds, I am like, oh, my gosh. And my wife will sit there, hey, let me tell you about so-and-so. Oh, here, here's the ice cream they had. I'm like, I don't want to disappoint her because I know she likes to talk to people, and and I'm a people, and I'm in bed with her. But, I mean, literally, I'm like, I want her to feel like I listen, but at the same time, I just, I can't handle it. It literally causes me great anxiety, and I don't think I'm alone in that. Ecclesiastes 11:10. So then, banish anxiety from your heart. I love that. Cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigor are meaningless. Literally, it's saying that worries will take away your youth. Worries will take away your energy. Is that anything new, guys? We know that. But I do think if people are anxious in their teens, anxious in their 20s, they're dead. <laughs> because, man, you really do start getting anxious about serious things in your 30s and 40s. And uh, I, I know when I think about my kids, I, I, my first reaction is anxiety. The Sikhs are getting bitter. They're getting older. They have a lot of kids. They got all this stuff going on, and and so if you think your worry about kids is over when they're teenagers or younger, you haven't even started to worry yet. And here's a great passage of comfort, isn't it? And, and, and boy, I love the final verse, in verse thirty-two. But let's start with Luke twelve twenty-two, and we'll go to thirty-two. Then he said to his disciples. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, uh, what you will put on, or the price of gas, or inflation. Let's go, Brandon. Um, (laughs) Verse 23, somebody's going to listen to this 30 years from now going, what does that mean? In verse 23, life is more than food, the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouses nor barns, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you worrying can add one cubit to a stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? The reality is, it, your anxieties are eventually going to come true if you're worrying about them long enough, right? It's just statistical. (laughs) You worry about something at 14, and if finally it'll happen some point in your life. But the point he's making is is here is you can't undo it. If there is no gas next week, and we've experienced it back in the Carter administration, let's go Jimmy. And uh, (laughs) there's nothing we could do about it. It wasn't like our anxiety could produce gas in our car. So this is the point. Now consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field, tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Do not seek what you shall eat, nor what you shall drink, nor have an anxious mind. There it is. Command of Jesus, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nation of the world seek after. And your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Now, here's a great memory verse for this week. Luke 12, twelve thirty two. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You know, one argument against evolution is sheep always have to have a shepherd. They cannot make it on their own. Have you seen that YouTube channel where it's a family that rescues sheep? They rescue other animals, but predominantly sheep. And they'll go to a place where a sheep hasn't been tended. And if it hasn't been sheared for a year and a half, two years, it's just a giant ball of fur. It, It can't see. It can't hear. It can barely move. And it's just sad looking. And the first thing they do is grab it and they shear it. And then they see the sores all over the body and all over the head. they got to start anointing to heal them. Isn't it awesome that God calls us sheep? And he is our shepherd. He is our good shepherd. He cares for the sheep. And we can't make it on our own. If we don't have a shepherd caring for us, we're dead. Either the wool will grow so big we eventually kill ourselves or an animal will take us or we'll fall on our side. Sheep are uniquely in such a way they can't get back up without help. They get cast and they bloat and they die. Shepherd has to lift the sheep up. It can't lift itself up. Sound familiar? I'll tell you, I can't lift myself up. I I can't shear myself. (laughs) I can't anoint my back. I don't have carnivorous teeth like a sheep to protect itself from wolves. On every angle, the sheep has to have be cared for. And so is our shepherd. Fear not, O little lambs, for it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So pray about. Everything. So it's two sides of the coin. Pray about everything, worry about nothing. And so we've talked about worrying about nothing. We need to go back to praying about everything. Worry absolutely about nothing, but pray about everything. I think often we in our minds think, I, I can only take big stuff to God, I can't take little things to God. You know, that's, that's, you know, I feel so selfish praying for that little thing because, you know, you got the world problems and, and me praying for this little thing, a pair of shoes or a dress for my kids or some little thing. I, it just seems so wrong when I watched world news that I would myself pray for this little thing. Let me ask you this. Is there anything we bring to God that is big to him. Isn't even the biggest problems we have still very little to God? So in essence, everything is small to God. I, I love that story in John 6, where Jesus, testing the disciples, said, feed the multitudes. And they're going, how, how could such a thing couldn't happen? And then one of the disciples sarcastically says... Well, here's a little boy. He's volunteering to give his little loaves and his little couple of fish here. But how, how would that make a difference here? And Jesus said, tell everybody to sit down. This little guy was not embarrassed to bring his little items to the Lord. And those little items that God answered fed a great multitude we know there's no coincidences in God's kingdom, right? There's not one sparrow that falls to the ground that's just a random thing. God knows about that sparrow. There's not any coincidences in your life. God knows all things. Everything that is bad or difficult or harsh or brings anxiety, God has a plan to turn it around for good, to do something greater. And these people's hunger, the multitude, 5,000 men plus women and children. It was an enormous task. If they had ascended on one little town, it would have wiped out the town. And there was no physical way. Even if they had 200 denarii, they had a a couple of years wages. It wouldn't do them any good. When you're talking about 5,000 men plus women and children, you say, oh, here's enough food. Here's enough money to feed everybody. Where are you going to go? You go to a baker, is he going to be able to produce in a timely fashion enough bread for that many people? If you were to go to all the cities around Jerusalem, which would take you a very, very long time, take you days, they probably couldn't produce enough bread. That's just bread. Now fish. The the fact is, is it was impossible for man to meet that need. Logistically, carrying it, you know, uh, Wagons of stuff, it wouldn't have been logistically possible in those days. But yet, with just a tiny little loaf and bread, they had 12 baskets of food filled after the end. Well, when Paul says pray about everything, he's actually using three different words. The first word is prayer. And prosuke. Now, if you look at the root system of prosuke, it is the word to worship. So it's a prayer, but it's a worshipful prayer unto God. It's not like talking to another person. It's recognizing that I'm bringing my needs before the almighty God who needs to be worshiped. Second word is supplication, which is seeking, entreating, beseeching. It's a great Passionate desire, but it has a sense for a specific thing. In other words, I'm not just seeking God without something in mind. I am seeking for something specific. And then the third word is thanksgiving. You probably recognize that Greek word, eucharista, which is the Eucharist. Some use that word for communion. In the Protestant church, we, we use the word koinonia for communion, but it is means gratitude. It's expressed in a language to God of thanksgiving. Paul nailed it in First Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is the will of God. What's the will of God for my life? I don't know, but it starts with thanksgiving. And everything. Doesn't that include anxieties? Doesn't that include things going bad? We don't necessarily have to thank God for the flat tire. But we need to have a joyful heart all through the dealing with that trial. Right? Because there's no coincidences in God's kingdom. God has a reason for what's happening here. And that Thanksgiving comes when you have faith. Right? Faith the sign of praying in faith is rejoicing because you know God has it in control. In Mark eleven twenty four, 24, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. It's interesting, this verse. Jesus says right before that, believe a mountain to be moved and cast into the sea. And so He says ahead of time, whether God says no or wait, he's saying when you pray, just start thanking God that it is done, that it is taken care of, that the issue is worked out as you continue to pray for it. So having faith in prayer, but also having faith in God. In 1 John 5, 14 to 15, we know this well. This is the confidence we have with him that when we ask according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we have asked of him. So in the same way, God is going to answer it as any responsible father (laughs) in the right way, right? I mean, you get the kids at, you know, 1030 at night when they should have been in bed at eight, you know, wanting a bowl of ice cream. And you just sort of ignore it saying, get back in bed. They can ask it. I'm not going to punish them for asking it. I'm just ignoring the fact that this is ridiculous. And I think sometimes we're asking for things that are just not in God's will or his timing. So here's the, the question. Are you okay with God saying no? Are you okay with God saying wait? I'll tell you, just take an inventory of my life, I have believed God for things that would have destroyed me and destroyed others. Looking back at the path the Lord took me, he was ever so wise. It would not have been the path that I told him I should be taking. So not only am I okay with God saying no, I am thankful. And there are a lot of people alive and not dead today because he said no. Um, Sometimes we can hit some pretty dark places. And I'm so glad that God's not our genie in the bottle, but he is all wise God. So let your requests be known to God. God wants to hear from you. I mean, imagine as a parent, my kids are now around 8, 9, 10 years old and they've got issues at school, and issues in their life, and they never talk to you, say as a dad, they only talk to mom. And they tell mom, don't tell dad. And literally, the only thing you know about your kids is what you find out from your wife. How would a dad, how would that make you feel? You see, it's not just getting the information. It's about them coming to you personally and sharing that information. Hey, mom was telling me about school. Well, she told you, I don't want to talk about it. No, it's the connection that's made why they are sharing it, right? So how does God feel when we'll tell other people, we'll complain to other people, we'll tell everybody else our worries and concerns, but we don't take it to God? And and even if God's going to say no or wait, he wants that connection, that, that joyful fellowship. Oh, how he no doubt longs for that simple days when it was him and Adam and Eve in the garden. And how the Lord so desires to have that connection with his children, to share, uh, to cherish that time to spend and share with our Heavenly Father. But let's not forget. He's almighty God that we're addressing the prayers. Make your requests known to the almighty God. All power, all authority. Nothing's hard for him. We must not forget that when we go to God. We're not talking to another man. We're not talking to a person who's a bit stronger than us, a bit wiser than us, a little bit, not that much. No, no. We're talking to the all-wise one, the all-powerful one. God's all-powerful, all-knowing, has all things in his hand. I love Jeremiah 32, 27. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Here's the question. Is there anything too hard for me? And of course, the answer is no. Make your request. Again, petition, talking about specific. So twice, he says, Supplication, specific. Make a request, specific. He's not saying, oh Lord, pray for world peace, amen. But the things that are on your heart, no matter how small. And it may be a new pair of socks. (laughs) It may be for a headache to go away. It may be something so temporary and so insignificant, but yet, God wants us to see that He is our Father, and every little thing He wants a connection with us sharing our heart with Him. So, as we finish up verse 6, we learn we really can be anxious for nothing small things or large things. We really can pray about everything small things or large things. We can really be thankful for anything. Because God truly cares about all the things in our lives, small and great. In a verse, 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you, right? Well, in verse 7. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God. This is, is, is saying there is a peace that only comes from God, only for God's children. This peace the world cannot know. Because it's only for God's family. It's only a peace that he has, no other creature, no other created being. It's a peace that God himself possesses. And he only gives it to his children. And his children are also to have it. So one family alone possesses such a thing. In John 14:1, Jesus talks about this. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And down in verse 27, he makes it clear. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. He makes it clear. Not as the world gives. They talk about peace, different. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. So this peace is where all worry and all fear is gone. And there is a peace from God. There is a peace with God. But then today... He's telling us to have a peace of God. There's a peace from God when we truly, by faith alone, believe in his salvation of the cross, buried and rose again the third day. And so the fear of standing before the judge of all things and not being prepared is gone. So his Holy Spirit comes into us, gives us the gift of salvation. And then as we walk through this world, we continue To start to lose that peace, but we continue to fall back on God's word and on his promises. So we never are separated very long from that peace with God. Very simply, if you're a Christian and you're struggling not having peace, you're struggling with having anxiety, there's two reasons God is not in your life, or you're not praying about things you should be praying about. It's that simple. Why do I not have peace? You're not connected with God the way you need to be connected to not lose that peace. Well, how do I get over anxiety? You need to be connecting with God more in prayer, praying without ceasing. So we have this peace of God. Often when people seem to lose their minds, it's often a connection between an absence of God in their lives or an absence of prayer. You guys remember that old saying? no, N-O, God, no, N-O, peace. And then no, K-N-O-W, God, K-N-O-W, peace. No, God, no, peace. No, God, and you know peace. How true that simple little saying is. And we need to keep our eyes on Jesus, not on our circumstances. I love that story where Uh, The boat's getting ready to sink, and Jesus is nowhere to be found. He was praying, and he was going to walk past them (laughs) while they're struggling at the oars, and they saw him. And Jesus comes walking over to him on the Sea of Galilee in the midst of this storm. But this time, Peter says, hey, can I walk in the water too? And Jesus says, yeah, come on out. And he starts walking, and then he realizes, ah, there's a storm and I'm on walking on water. And he's looking at the storm and looking at the boat sinking and he starts to sink himself. And then he looks to Jesus and Jesus reaches out and grabs his hand and says, why are you doubting? Why are you worrying? The answer really is he got his eyes off of Jesus and got it onto the storm. In the midst of whatever storm we're in, the answer always is, get your eyes on Jesus, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus will stretch out his hand and catch you. And then I love it. When Jesus got into the boat, what happened? The wind ceased. Often when we add God to the equation, it disappears. Because my anxiety is there because I'm picturing a world without God in it. And that's why I'm anxious I remember back during the Y2K, you guys old enough to remember that. Boy, they were telling everybody to worry, the no water, no electricity, no internet. Oh my God. And I I, I read that passage to our church out of Luke 12. Fear not, little flock. <laughs> Don't worry about tomorrow, it'll take care of its own self. And I said, worst case scenario. There's no electricity. Let's just all come to church and we'll worship and pray and read the Bible and lose weight. (laughs) You've been promising your kids you are going to go camping. Well, now you're going to go camping. You've been wanting to barbecue more. Well, if there is any food, that's the only way you're going to eat it. What's the worst case scenario? We all die. Anybody disappointed about that? And I'll tell you what, it was just a release in that fellowship. When you add God to the Y2K, it's all of a sudden a positive, not a negative. Is how many people are going to be open to hearing about God in the middle of a, a complete shutdown. Whatever the anxiety is, bring God into it. Get your eyes on Jesus and the winds and the waves will cease because he is now present in those thoughts. And I love this. This peace, it can't even be explained. This peace is past all understanding. The word understanding is mind, it literally surpasses the mind. Our puny little minds, even if it was Einstein's mind, cannot figure out why I have so much peace in such a horrible situation. I remember Corey Timboom. She's in the concentration camp and, and her sister was teaching a Bible study. And, and, uh, and they came to this rejoice in the Lord always thing. And one Jewish lady whose hand had been crushed, she was the lead violinist. She said, I, I have nothing to thank God for. I only have stuff to curse him for. And then she said, we're the only housing that has horrible bug infestation. None of the other houses are like this. Our bug infestation is the worst. You're going to thank God for all of these bugs biting us? And her sister says, Lord, thank you for these wonderful bugs. I don't know why you brought them, but I know it's for our good. And Corey heard that. She even hardened her heart. She was against her sister, going, boy, she's lost her mind. Well, years later, Corey Toom is now speaking the world about she was in the deepest pit and God was there with her. And she begins to talk about the Bible studies for hours they could have in their uh, room and all of this. And, and, and the guy, one of the, the guards showed up and he said, I can't believe that happened. You got away with hanging on to your Bibles and all of these things. He says, you know the only reason that happened because nobody wanted to go in there to check because we'd all end up with bugs. So we just let you, whatever happened. And Corey remembered it and said, Thank you, Lord, for those bugs. So again, it passes human knowledge. What God tells us to do may seem simple to the natural mind, it may seem foolish to the natural mind. You're rejoicing in the midst of your imprisonment, Paul? You're rejoicing in the middle of a storm that's getting ready to sink the ship? Yes, well, it doesn't make sense. The natural human reaction to this is to be terrified and start screaming or to be angry. But he says, no, that's not what I'm going to do. Psalm 139, we know this well, I love it. Psalm 7 to 14, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, or hell, behold, you are there. That's the holding place for the righteous and the wicked. If I take, and which has actually happened. David did go into Sheol and Jesus was there, Right? Uh, after he died on the cross so he said if I make my bed in Sheol which he eventually did in the bosom of Abraham and Jesus was indeed there if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea even there your hand shall lead me your right hand shall hold me if I say surely darkness shall fall on me even the night shall be light about me what about if darkness comes and it's only dark well then God will get, uh, God will be my light Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you. The light shines as the day. The darkness of the light, both are light to you. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Now listen to this. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. I just, he just comes to that place to say, you cannot give me a scenario where God in it doesn't make it wonderful. Well, what if you were in complete darkness the rest of your life? Well, God would be my light. Well, what if you go down to hell? The Lord will be with me. Well, what if you get shot on a rocket to the uttermost parts of the, the universe? <laughs> well, the Lord will be there. The, the, I, the, I, I, you can't get me to be anxious, David is saying. You can't get me to worry. Because God, I've come to the place that God is in every scenario that you can create. God's there. And something that seems horrible, complete darkness. Well, now I just get to see the pure light of God. There's not a scenario where God in it, I can become anxious. I just become a worshiper Often it's in those most difficult seasons of our life that we grow the most and come nearer to the Lord. But now he says this peace does something. It is a guard, and that's literally what it means in a military action. There's a, a, a fort or a fortress, there is a guard in that fortress, and it's protecting your minds and your hearts. In Psalm 37, One of my favorite psalms. Back when I was in college, I heard a guy speaking on this. Changed my life. But in Psalm 37, three and five, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he will give the desires of your heart. This in verse five is commit your way to the Lord. Literally, it's back when they would carry a load of, say, a big bunch of hay, and they would carry it a distance, and then he would roll it off to the next guy, he would carry it a distance. And that's literally what it means roll it off onto the Lord. What? All our cares, all our worries. And, it's, and, and trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass, or he will do it. God's peace is to blow apart our mind, surpass our mind. To perse- surpass our understanding, and then it guards our hearts and our minds. Well, finishing up here today, what is the answer to anxiety to come to peace? First of all, the Bible commands us to stop worrying. So evidently we can. I mean, God's not going to give us a command that we can't do. Stop it. It's an imperative. I'm not going to read it, but... Your homework is Matthew 6 now, verse 25 to 34. It's the same passage out of Luke, but there's some really cool things there that are not in the gospel of Luke. But once again, he says, don't worry about one thing. And then he says specifically, don't worry about tomorrow. It'll take care of its own self. If you're going to worry, there's plenty of worries today. Secondly, he says, pray specifically and about everything. And the third thing, the last step, is pray with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, again, ex- expresses our faith. It expresses our trust. It expresses that we're rolling it off to the Lord and that he has it, I thank you, Lord. Paul said in Hebrews eleven six, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So in essence, he's saying If you're not rejoicing, giving thanks in your prayers, it's impossible to please God. When we come to God, there is a certainty that he is going to reward us or answer the prayer. We should say it that way, that he is an answerer of prayers to those who seek him. And so we can go ahead and advance and start thanking the Lord for taking on this issue and however he wants to. Again, I just don't want us to forget. We need to believe that God loves us and he has the best interests in mind. You need to be open to God's answering your prayer however he wants to. Let's truly be thankful for however God wants to answer our prayers. Final note, keep at it. Sometimes worry creeps back in, but don't Feel like somehow it didn't work because you feel anxious again. Nope. The worldliness of this world just is constantly a monkey on our backs, right? We got to keep rolling it off. And you may have to one day roll it off onto the Lord a thousand times. Another day, only one time. But keep walking by faith. Stop worrying. It's a command. And pray about everything. Increase the amount of time you pray so the stop worrying it is not a request but a command and it's also in the present which means it's a continue action keep on stop worrying over and over again and eventually you'll get good at it as we add God into every equation Lord thank you for your word today and let it go out to do the work it was sent out to do. We thank you that it won't return void. But many here today who are worried, are anxious. A lot of times it's just a feeling now that we've trained ourselves to have regularly. It's an emotion now that we are most familiar with. It's become a horrible neighbor to us. It's become a horrible troll that lives in our houses, in our minds, in our hearts. Lord, I ask today that you wash all of us in the word, that you send your word out and that faith would come by hearing and hearing by your word. We'd be washed, we'd be strengthened, we'd be healed. And those fiery darts now would bounce off our shield of faith and that we would be a people where The fruit of the spirit is love. And the very first thing is joy and peace. Let us have joy and peace in believing here today, God, and let it be a light into the world that our hearts are not heavy, that our hearts are not weighed down. And the world in their troubles looks at us and says, how can such a person be so light, so full of care? so full of not having care and so free. And it's just because our eyes are upon you, praying without ceasing, giving thanks and all of that praying, knowing that you have it all in control. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.